Hem, a happy <laughs> midsummer Sunday morning. We're glad you're watching. In the key of C, in fact. In the key of C. No matter where you are, we're hoping that you're relaxing and enjoying the day. Do us a favor. Let us know where you're watching from. Comment below. Press that like button. No, smash that smash. like button. Smash. Smash that like. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Mm, mm. Anyway, uh, do you know that Echo could be your place, your people, and your purpose all in the same space? It's mm. a beautiful thing. We encourage you to take your first steps into the life-giving local church and find community that and support that you've been hoping for. Stop by at Mayo High School for one of our services at 9.30 mm -hmm. and 11 a.m. on Sundays. We'd love to meet you. Uh, we'll be back at our normal in-person service next week. Next week. We also want to say thank you for your obedience in God's word in the form of giving back mm -hmm. to God through giving of your tithe, which, if you don't know, is 10% of your income as worship to God. If you are looking to give, head to our website or text any amount to 84321. Awesome. Enjoy the rest of the online Sunday service yes. in the key of C.
Father, I pray that you would prep our hearts today with this song in Jesus' name. If the altar's where you meet us, take me there, take me there. What you need is just an offering. It's right here, my life is here, and I'll be a living sacrifice for you. You're a fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed, I want to be tried by fire, purified, you take whatever you
Come on now. How many are excited for that day? When we are home with Jesus. No more hurts, no more pain, no more sickness or death. But we just stand face to face with the Father in heaven. Father, we love you so much. We just acknowledge that you're in this room today, that you're moving. Father, I pray for those who don't know you, that they would know you. They would taste and see that you are good today, Father. You are truly good. There are no words that can describe your greatness, Jesus. But Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this beautiful weather. Thank you for this place to meet and worship and to hear your word have that freedom. We thank you for that, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. But good morning. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Christy Cass. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here at Echo, and we are so excited for what is to come. We have one of our favorite pastors here as a guest speaker, Pastor Peter Haas. Who's ready? Who is ready? Yes. For those of you that don't know, just to give you a little context, Andy and I, four years ago, we were on a journey of asking God some really big questions and seeking him on what our next steps were. And I had reached out to Carolyn through Instagram, the World Wide Web, slid into her DMs, for those of you who don't know what that is. And I just reached out and said, I need pastoral care. I have a lot of questions. We're seeking, we need help. I need guidance, all the things. I gave her a novel. And then fast forward a couple weeks later, we were sitting in her office with her and Peter and one of their other pastors. And we just started pouring out our story, pouring out where we were. And from that day forward, they became our pastors. And we would not be here today standing here before you at Echo Church, if it wasn't for Peter and Carolyn Haas. I cannot put it into words how much we needed pastoral care. We have overseers here at Echo. For those of you that do not know what that is, that basically means that Andy and I, we need pastors, right? It's super important for us to have pastors, accountability, people to invest in us. And so that's who they are to us. They have been pastors to us. They were ARC Church Plant number 15, in like, I said it wrong last hour, almost 18 years ago is when they planted Substance Church up in Minneapolis. If you've been there, it's awesome. If you haven't, check it out online. They have four campuses, but they are amazing. And just to put it in context, we were ARC church plant number 850. So in 15 years, 850 churches were planted, which is just crazy. So we're a part of this big church called ARC. And what that is, is it's a beautiful association would be the correct term. But what it is to us is it's family. We don't do ministry alone. They are who we go to when we need care, prayer, guidance, leadership support. And Peter and Carolyn are the real deal. And we are so thrilled, so honored to have them here today. Peter's brilliant. He's a writer. He's a teacher. He's co-lead pastor at Substance, but he is funny. They have three kids like us, and I just would love it if you could come stand up, get up on your feet, give, them a, give him a warm round of applause, and let's honor Pastor Peter Haas. Come on, Echo Church. Are you guys excited to be in the house of God today? All right, we're going to get you there if you're not. Again, I'm Pastor Peter Haas, and man, I love you guys. It is so fun to be at Echo. I, like, you have to understand, okay? I, I, like, I love hanging with your pastors, and I cannot tell you, I, Andy and Christy are honestly the best. I, and I, I just, I feel like they're like my little brother, little sister. And probably once you, you hang out with me, you're going to be like, are you related? You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I, seriously, I love you guys so much. I, I, get to, I get to hang out with pastors all over the world. And I, I got to be honest with you, most of them are totally irritating. But your pastors, I actually want to hang out with them. And, and you have to understand, okay, uh, especially like I, I, I get to be in some of the most dynamic churches all over the place. And wherever I am, they're all like, you know what they do? They're like, have you heard of Echo Church? I've heard this church is like blowing up in Minnesota. And you know, as if I somehow like know everything about Minnesota. And of course, I happen to be able to say, yeah, I know them. They are awesome. And I, I just like, seriously, you guys, I want you to know what, what the Lord is doing here is absolutely unique. And I, I, I know sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it may not feel all that unique, but you need to understand 
understand just what a, what, a, what a cool work the Lord is doing through not only you guys, but through your pastors. Can we just give it up for your pastors real quick? Seriously, I love you guys. I love you guys, and it's just, it's fun to be able to do life, and I, I just, I want to encourage all of the rest of you, please, go all in with them. Go all in with them, not just emotionally, not just with your your ownership, but but with your finances as well, because I, I, I'm just telling you, this is good ground. This is like Facebook in 2004, okay, investing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to get a spiritual return on your investment by investing in this church. But uh, I'll tell you what, before we dive into God's word today, I just want to give you a little backstory, a little, uh, just that kind of sets up the Bible text that we're about to share uh, today. Uh, a couple of years ago, my, my wife is in the house right here. Carolyn is in the front. Just wave your hand, Carolyn, the brunette here. And uh, she was just, this is technically about her, but I get to tell the story because I have the microphone. And so uh, I, no, so we, we've been married just shy of uh, 27 years, believe it or not. And uh, we, uh, so a while back, my wife was paging through uh, social media and she found uh, there was this post by a, a young woman in our church who had just given birth a few months earlier. And she was, she had this goal of kind of losing all of her baby weight. And so she finally achieved her goal and she was kind of taking that full body pick, like, hey, celebrate with me. And of course, my wife is like the most encouraging human on planet earth. And so my wife was like, wow wow, girl, you look stinking hot after that baby. You know, like just encouraging her, um, posted it. And all of a sudden, the moment she posted that comment, all of a sudden my face showed up next to that comment. And so it looked like I was the one saying, girl, you look stinking hot after that baby. Okay, yeah, it was, it was off. She was logged into my account and didn't know it. Well, so now she's got to figure out how to, like, delete it. But, of course, you know, Facebook had just come out with their new update, and she couldn't figure it out. She couldn't figure it out. And so she calls me frantically, and she's like, Peter, 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 you got to help me figure out how to delete this comment. And, and I'm like, you did what? And, and I look at it, and, of course, sure enough, it's like my face. Facebook, you know, girl, you look stinking hot. You know, like, it's all like, and, and literally, and I'm like, honey, do you realize how many followers I have that look at every single post? Like, literally, every second that passes, my name is going from Pastor Peter to Predatory Pete. <laughs> every second. And I, I'm not going to tell you, I'm thrust into the tech support role of my life, and, and I'm not going to say we figured it out fast, but we did figure it out. After a couple minutes and a few shouts, uh, we did manage to delete that post and slay Predatory Pete. And to this day, I have no idea how many people saw that post, but what I can assure you is that every time I see that young woman in our church, I speak very formally to her. How is your husband? God bless you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm just saying. I, you know, like, I, 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 have you ever felt totally out of control before? Okay? Some of you are here today, and you're like, wow, that story just summed up my entire year. And, and maybe, maybe for you, it's something a lot more significant. Maybe, maybe you feel out of control when it comes to your physical body, your finances, your marriage. I don't know. Listen, I, I actually believe that, that when we're out of control, those are the moments where God can speak to us and grab a hold of us the most. And so listen, if that's you today, I, I want you guys just to actually kind of embrace the roller coaster of life because God wants to use that roller coaster to, to create intimacy with him. And I, I just, I, 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 I'm almost getting to the point where I'm starting to like the roller coaster a little bit more. I don't say that I, I'm not going to say I like it, but I can at least throw my hands up in the air when you get strapped onto a roller coaster you don't want to be on. And maybe for you, I don't know what that issue is today that you're not in control, you're not excited about. But listen, God's got a plan for you. I, I was even thinking about just one more story to set up the text, just backstory. My wife, uh, her great-grandparents immigrated to the United States from Germany back in, in 1912. They had this dream of coming to the United States, and they packed everything they owned into crates, and they spent everything they had on a ticket to cross the Atlantic. 
And this was a big deal. They, uh, the worst thing happened on, the, on moving day. They got, to the, they got to the dock of this ship, and they got delayed on the way. And all of a sudden, by the time they got to the dock, they're watching the ship pull away. They missed the ship. And you have to understand, this was like non-refundable tickets. This is not merely, oh, a little bit of a delay. This was a major financial setback, and they stood on that dock. And it, they were just heartbroken because they cannot afford forward to be stuck and get this next ship. And I, if they were feisty like my wife and I, they probably had a good fight on that dock. You know what I'm saying? I told you to take a left. Well, I told you not to pack that extra crate. You know what I'm saying? Come on. You know who you are, right? That's same for you, right? But I, I just, you know, they, they finally booked another ship. And a couple days later, they're crossing the Atlantic and they found out something pretty disturbing. It turned out the boat that they had missed was a boat with a little name called the Titanic. And their boat ended up picking up some of the few survivors from that. They were, they were realizing, wow, if they would have made it on time to that ship, they would have died a freezing cold death in the North Atlantic. And of course, looking back, you know, when you have experiences like that, it's easy to look back on those moments and say, I'm so glad we missed that ship. I'm so glad you took a left instead of a right. I'm so glad you packed extra junk. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's easy to retrospectively celebrate the delays and the devastations. And I even celebrate that devastation because not only would my wife not exist, my church wouldn't exist. Everything good in my life actually happened because of somebody's mishap, somebody's worst day. Now, I, I say that because now it's easy to see how God turns everything around. But at the time, they were devastated. I guarantee you, uh, you know, my wife's great-grandmother cried on that dock. She, why? Because she had high hopes of leaning up into the bow of that ship with the wind wafting through her hair. Because that's what people did. We know this, right? Near Come on, sing it. Wherever you are. Because that's what people did, okay? That's a historical fact. Okay? But, but this is what I've learned over the years, you guys, and I want you just to write this down. Listen, your current devastation just might be your current deliverance. Your current devastation, your current delay just might be your current deliverance. Your, your dreamboat might be, might be sailing away, but God's up in heaven saying, oh, honey, your dreamboat is the Titanic. Trust me, you're going to be glad you missed that ship. You know what I'm saying? Actually, some of the worst things that happen to us is actually the deliverance of God. And, and, and the only reason why we can't see it and feel it is because we don't know what God knows and we don't see as God sees. And either at the end of the day, either we're going to trust God or we won't. You know what I mean? That's really the decision we have to make. And, I, and, and that's why the Bible is constantly teaching over and over and over again to, to stop trying to experience circumstantial happiness and instead um, get our happiness from the Lord, okay? And here's how you know you, you, you're actually living in circumstantial happiness rather than true divine happiness. Here's, here's how you know your if-onlys. Okay, I think all of us have if onlys in our lives. If only my spouse were like blah. If only my boss would behave like this. If only my paycheck were like this, right? If only my house, if only my kids, if only this, if only that, right? Let me tell you something about your if onlys. Your if onlys actually reveal your idols, okay? Now, at the end of the day, I, I, I actually believe that that's a sign we're saying, oh, we're, we're actually saying what we're saying is I would be happy if, this. But let me tell you something about, about happiness, okay, out of Ecclesiastes 6.1. And, and this is, this is going to rock some of your world because it's going to change how you think about happiness. It's going to change how you think about joy. King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 6.1, he actually makes the case that happiness and enjoyment have very little to do with circumstances, and it has everything to do with God. It's a gift from God that he can either turn on or off in our lives, Okay, now check this out. And keep in mind, this is, this is written by the wealthiest human on planet Earth. Okay, at the time, Ecclesiastes 6.1, 
through three, he writes, I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on men. In other words, this, this is an affliction of all mankind that it doesn't matter who you are, how wealthy or how poor you are, this is something we all experience, and it's, it is a consequence of sin. Verse two, Ecclesiastes 6, 2, God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing his heart desires, but God does not enable him to enjoy them. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just hold on a second. God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing his heart desires, but God does not enable him to enjoy them. Like literally turns off the ability to enjoy these things. You see, Solomon actually makes the case that enjoyment is actually a gift that comes from God, and it's not about our circumstances. It's not about our if-onlys. In other words, to put it this way, it's possible to get wealth possessions and all these things and yet still have zero pleasure and zero joy. Believe it or not, there's actually a lot of scientific research to back that up. I've been um, doing, over the last decade, I've been getting every single book on happiness that's out there that's that's statistic-based. I'll buy it and I'll dive into the research and it's so fascinating because, you know, a lot of people, you know, the question is, you know, does money buy happiness? You know, we all know the answer is no, but what if we're the exception? You know what I mean? Like, I at least want the chance to find out, right? I, I, you know, like, I, or, or like, are, are, are married people happier than single people? Are people with palm trees in their backyard happier than people without? Are people, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's geographical questions about happiness. Or what about, is, is happiness, is it all about job? Or is it all about, you know, like, whatever? Like, get this, okay? According to the research circumstantial things like money, jobs, geography, marriage, only affect happiness by a grand total of about 10%. In other words, if you were to rank all, like the wealthiest people on the earth versus the poorest people on the earth, there's only a variance of happiness by about 10% at grand total, according to the research, okay? So think about that, 10 percent all circumstantial things only will will change your happiness ratio by about 10 percent at most it begs the question well then what accounts for the 90 percent the lion's share of our joy and happiness well again solomon argues it's god he can turn it on or he can turn it off. In fact, his dad, King David, actually taught him Psalm 62.1, which says this, your soul finds rest in God alone. You want to know where your soul finds rest? God. It's a divine thing. You, if you really, really, really want to have true happiness, you got to find it in God, not in circumstantial stuff. Or to put it this way, happiness is not a circumstantial problem. It's a spiritual problem, predominantly a spiritual problem. And God essentially, according to the Bible, has an enjoyment switch, like a light switch that he can turn on and off in our lives. And well, why? Why would God turn off the enjoyment switch? Is it because he's mean? No, actually the opposite. It's because he loves you that he's turned off the enjoyment switch for some of you. Why, why would he do that? Why would God do that? Well, think about that. As a parent, if you're a parent, you know this, right? You intentionally limit some of your kids' experiences out of love, right? Like, like, like at the grocery store, my son, every single time we would get to the, the, the checkout, what do they do? Kids are like, Dad, can I have some candy? Dad, can I have some candy? Dad, can I have some candy? And you're just like, please, like, I'm not, you, no, you cannot have candy all the stinking time, right? You have like, you still have like 12 bags from, you know, last October, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't need more candy, trust me, right? And, and tr you don't want to see my son on candy. Some of you can imagine. Like, you know, you're looking at me preaching today and you're like, you make coffee nervous. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're just like, ah, you know, like, I, I just, you do not want to see my son on candy, right? Well, the point is, is I will intentionally limit some of his experiences out of love. Why? Because it's not good for him. Okay, now is it because I hate my son? No, it's because I love him. I will limit his experiences until he's mature enough to handle it, right? See, and I, I think God, God is the same way. God knows if we're seeking promotion, wealth, opportunities ahead of his timing, guess what? He's going to slow us down. If he knows that we're finding fulfillment in money, sex, jobs, relationships more than him, 
guess what? He's going to remove all that, the, the, the joy out of our lives until we understand something. Your soul finds rest in God alone by putting him first. And second, he's going to remove the fun until he understands and can know for sure that you have the character to handle the weight of his blessings without bowing down and worshiping them. I would like to just offer today that maybe the biggest issue in your life is not some circumstantial thing. It's actually your character. And if you would just tweak that thing and put God first, all of a sudden God be up, up in heaven like, finally, I can trust them with this gift without worrying that they're going to idolize it. And listen, how, how do you know if you're ready, right? That's the real question. How do I know if I'm ready to experience those things if for God to flip on my enjoyment switch? Well, here's the deal. In the end, at the end of the day, only God knows. But in my experience, the simplest way to find out is just by looking at your prayers. Your prayers reveal your pathologies. Okay, you, you were, come on, we're in like, we're next to the Mayo Clinic, right? They look at symptoms, they're looking at the evidence that indicates something bigger. Well, guess what? Your prayers actually can reveal whether or not you're in sync with God, whether or not you're sick, and here's how. Here's how do you know, okay? If you're praying for circumstantial things more than character, chances are you're out of sync with God. Because, or, or if you're praying for circumstantial things, your if only list, more than more of God, you're out of sync with God, right? Because if God, if, if our souls find rest in God alone, really one of the only things we'd be praying for is what? More of God. Lord, help my soul find rest in you. We were just like, that's what we'd be praying nine out of ten times. But instead, what are we most of the time praying for? God, I just need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need that, and I need that, and I need that, and I need that, and I need that. And God's up in heaven like, oh. You know what I'm saying? Jesus said that only fatherless pagans waste a lot of time asking God for things. Why? Because God, if you have a father in heaven, he knows what you need even before you ask, Matthew 6, 8. And he will provide all that you need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 19. It's nothing for God to add things into your life circumstantially. That's not the problem at all. The problem is, do you have the character to sustain the weight of those blessings without worshiping them? I, I, at the end of the day, God's already got a massive amount of blessings lined up for you which is why, like in my life, I don't really pray for promotion anymore. I pray for promotability. Does that make sense? And so if you're single, don't pray for a, a spouse. Pray for the character worthy of a spouse, right? Don't pray for more finances. Pray for stewardship and generosity worthy of more finances. Don't pray for opportunities. Pray for intimacy that could sustain the opportunities that God already wants to give you, you see? Because at the end of the day, if you don't have the character and the intimacy with God, you won't be able to sustain those blessings anyway, and you'll lose them, and then guess what? You'll be better for them again. Are you hearing me? And I, I actually believe that God will use desert seasons in our lives to try to weed that kind of temptation out of us. Okay, and I, I want to I tell you a story of where the Lord purposely kind of broke things for me so that he could break off that, that thing. One of the things that I was constantly praying for circumstantially as a pastor is I was constantly praying for a building. Lord, give me a building, Lord, give me a building, Lord, because it just wasn't happening, and it was just kind of a, it was a pain for me as a pastor, and it was probably, the, it felt like the only thing I prayed for for a season, and maybe for you, it's not that, but it's, it's your, you know, maybe you're praying for healing, or maybe you're praying for a spouse, or maybe you're praying that you'd love the spouse that you got, or you know what I'm saying, you know what your prayers are, right, but I, I just, I think we all get caught praying the same broken record prayer, not realizing the dysfunction in it, okay? So now, let me just back up a little bit. Let me show you a picture of my family. I've got, I, my wife and I have three kids, and uh, this is, so this is my family. I've got a 20-year-old daughter on the right, 
And then I've got an 18-year-old daughter, True, on the left. And then I've got my 16-year-old son. Now, the story I'm about to tell you is about my daughter on the left, True. Now, True and False. Like, like her name is True, okay? We're into really unique names. We're kind of hippies, okay? So deal with it. But I, I just, okay, so her name is True. Now, now, what was interesting about True is ever since she was a little girl, people would come up to us and say, I don't know why, but I, I feel like the Lord is going to be using your daughter, True, to be doing all sorts of miracles. You know how, like, every church has, like, a, a spooky prophetic lady in it. You know what I'm talking about? You know, every church has one. I, I think, so what was weird is I, every church I would go to, that lady would seek me out and say, I don't know what it is, but when I saw a picture of your family, I just felt like the Lord was going to use that, that one on the left in a really unique way to do prophetic miracles. And of course, you know, uh, and, and sure enough, get this, you guys, by the time she turned nine, some of the craziest things were happening. Let me give you an example, okay? So uh, remember in the housing bust in 2008, uh, the housing market crashed, and I, I, we, we were trying to sell our house in, in 2012, and right around that time, um, the, the average sale time for a house in our neighborhood was 159 days. And our realtor just said, hey, I need you to be patient about selling your house. You're going to show your house like 100 times. Because on average, it takes 159 days in your neighborhood to sell a house. So you've got to be patient about this process. Okay, It's not going to happen in a week. And so I'm telling that to my wife exactly what our realtor told me, just to be patient. And my nine-year-old daughter, True, is listening. And she goes, Daddy, no, it's not going to happen that way. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, I just asked the Lord, like, when, when our house is going to sell. And he's told me it's going to sell in five days. So don't worry about it. And then she just walked off to go play. <laughs> Whose daughter is this? What a weirdo. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and actually, uh, we, we stopped her. And I'm like, what do you mean, like, God spoke to you? And she goes, well, I just asked God. And, and, and like, I, I closed my eyes, and I saw a meter. And, and actually, the Lord... Dad, the Lord actually said you're going to be depressed on Saturday, but you're going to get your asking price on Sunday, five days from today. And I laughed at her. I'm like, what do you, like, she goes, I just closed my eyes and I saw a meter. And, uh, and I'm like, who, you know, like, wow, that's so specific. Okay, true. You know, like, go play. You know, like, <laughs> what do you say to that, right? Well, okay, sure enough, we did an open house that Saturday. Everybody that came to the open house ripped on our house. Like, I cannot believe you were asking this much money for the house. I was depressed. And then Sunday, five days, the exact fifth day, boom, got our asking price. Just like my daughter said. Now, how many of you are going to listen to your daughter just a little bit more? I thought that was kind of weird. I thought maybe it was a coincidence, but man, she nailed it. What are the odds, right? Well, Okay, stuff like that kept happening time and time and time again with my daughter. And that was just the setup, okay? The, what I'm about to tell you is going to blow your mind. Okay, so fast forward a few months. At the time, our church was growing really, really fast. And um, we were having a terrible time trying to find property as a church. Every, tr every city we tried to buy property in, uh, the city would take a stand against us. And they would illegally use zoning laws to prevent us from buying property. So we'd, we'd, we'd appraise the property. I mean, we'd literally agree with a seller. I mean, we'd appraise it for like 30 grand. We'd go through the whole process. We're like five months into it, and then the city would illegally bully us out. I cannot tell you how many cities told me, no way am I ever gonna allow a church in my city. And we, we did that whole process seven, eight times in the Twin Cities. Uh, I, I had no idea how hostile uh, cities were to churches. And it was the worst thing because every single time one of these properties would fall through, people would leave our church. Because you have to understand, I mean, our, our church was portable in four locations, okay? So, it, it, and, then, and then on top of that, um, our church in the midst of this, so every single year I would stand up and I'd be like, by this time next year, we're going to be in a building. And then that next year, I'd be like, by this time next year, we're going to be in a building. And then the next year, by this time the next year, and then everybody's like, I think I've heard this before. Yeah, I don't think Peter knows what he's doing. And the truth was, I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea how hard the real estate game was when it came for churches. And people started leaving our church. 
person after person, Pastor Peter, I don't think you really know what you're doing. I think I'm going to go to this church. They got better kids ministry and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, it was like every week I I was almost traumatized because I'd show up and I started getting so depressed. On top of that, uh, we had a few awkward staff transitions. I know that never happens here at Echo, of course, because you guys are all amazing and you get up at 4 a.m. and do trust falls and do each other's arms and everything like that. But (laughs) I, 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 in my church, it was a little less functional and I, I was just, you know, there was a little more chaos and, and, um, our church literally went from 3,000 to about 2,000. We lost a third of our church over two and a half years. And um, there was just a grieving process. I, I actually got so depressed. I actually thought, you know what? I'm a miserable lead pastor. I, I'm, I don't think I'm supposed to do this. And I told my wife every single day that, hey, I, I, I'm going to go back. So I used to be a music producer. I think I'm going to go back and do that. And I don't think I'm a good lead pastor. I don't think I'm supposed to do this. And people would tell me that every week. And uh, I just got depressed. I kind of spiraled into a depression. It got to the point where I couldn't even hide it from my kids anymore. I don't know if you've ever been there, but my kids knew I was not having fun as a pastor. And, um, and I wasn't just depressed. I was angry. I just, I didn't know how to lead. And I didn't know what to tell people when their best friends were leaving the church. And, um, in the middle of this dark season, I'll never forget, my, my daughter True came up to me. By this time, she was 10 years old. And um, it's really humbling when your 10-year-old is encouraging you. You know what I mean? And she goes, Daddy, I, I just, I, I think the Lord wants to encourage you. And in fact, I, I asked the Lord, she goes, she happened to pass by a building that we didn't get. And she remembers that because we prayer walked it. And uh, and she's like, Dad, she's like, God, would you reveal yourself to me? And would you, would you tell me when, when is substance going to get a building? I want to encourage my dad. And she closed her eyes and she goes, Dad, the Lord spoke to me and said, by this time next week, by Thursday, you're going to find a building with a double layer to it. And I'm like, what's a double layer? You, you know, like people sit up here and people sit down here, like a balcony? Yeah. By this time next Thursday, God is going to provide a building for us, and you're going to make a decision by next Thursday to go for it. So be encouraged, Dad. And of course, I'm like, who are you? Like, like in my mind, I'm like, I don't have any real estate meetings planned. How in the, And I know every building on the market because I've been looking for the last five years, right? Okay, like there's no building with a balcony on the real estate market right now. And, and, and I don't have any real estate meetings planned. How in the world am I supposed to make this happen? And like, I, Peter the skeptic just kind of rose up on the inside and said, that's ridiculous, right? And right before I was about to kind of laugh at it, like there's just no way, there's no way. I felt like the Lord just rebuked me and said, Peter, is anything too difficult for me? And I realized how cynical I had become in that season and I stopped myself and I'm like, no, God, nothing is too too difficult for you. If you want to provide a building with a balcony by this time next Thursday, (laughs) you can do anything. And I remember kind of praying that prayer like, okay, God, well, guess what? The next couple days started passing. Nothing's happening. I'm not finding the building. And I I started getting kind of scared like, oh, no, is this that moment I have to sit down with my 10-year-old and say, we don't always hear from the Lord. You know, like, you know, sometimes we have an overactive imagination. That shows you how much faith I had, okay? I just, that was kind of my state of mind. And um, all of a sudden, it's Tuesday, just two days before that Thursday my daughter mentioned, and I got a phone call Tuesday morning from our finance guy at the church, and he was like, Pastor Peter, I totally forgot to tell you about a real estate meeting. Uh, We're looking at a building for substance in downtown Minneapolis, and I I know it's your sermon writing day. I'm so sorry I didn't get it out on your calendar. And I'm like, shut up. A building? You're looking at a building? He's like, yeah, if if you want to meet us in downtown Minneapolis in two hours, we're going to go look at this building. And I'm like, does it have a balcony and he's like I don't know I I'm like but but if you want to find out just show up in two hours and I'm like okay so I get off the phone my daughter hears me talking about a building on the phone she goes you're gonna go look at a building today daddy and she's like she goes and she started reminding me remember okay got by this Thursday she, she was like I don't know if the building you're looking at today is the one but uh the building that God wants to provide it has a balcony remember that dad I don't want you to get the wrong building and uh <laughs> And I'm like, and she goes, oh, I forgot to tell you. The Lord actually said to me, you'll know this building is the one when you look up and you say, wow, remember that. 
And I thought, that's the weirdest detail. Like, most buildings, you don't look up and you don't say, wow. And I'm like, okay. She goes, remember that, Dad. Oh, and it's covered in red. Remember that. You'll look up and say, wow, it's covered in red. And, and, and so when she, literally, she went off to school that day. And she, when she was at school, she drew a picture. She goes, oh, yeah, God even showed me what the building is going to look like. It's beautiful, Dad. You're going to look up and you're going to say, wow. So if that doesn't happen, don't worry about it by this Thursday. And so she drew a picture of it when she was at school. And, of course, two hours later, I'm in downtown Minneapolis right next to our convention center. And I'm looking at this building called the Historic Wesley Building, a 130-year-old building um, built in the late 1800s by Civil War contemporaries. And it has a huge glass dome over the sanctuary. And I looked up, and sure enough, the word came flying out of my mouth. This is what I saw. And I go... Wow. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I just said wow. I just said wow. I just said wow. I'm like, she said, you'll look up and you'll say wow. You'll know this is the one. When you look at, and the staff is like, what's going on to Peter? Is he losing his mind? And I'm like, you guys. And I just started taking pictures. I started freaking out. I mean, like, Holy Spirit goosebumps. I'm like, what are the odds? Like, a gorgeous glass dome over the auditorium. And and so I started snapping pictures. And of course, my daughter drew the picture that day. And uh, I came home from work that day with a whole bunch of pictures on my phone. And she came running up to me after school and she goes, Daddy, Daddy, is this the building you looked at today? Because this is the building that God showed me. And she showed me the picture she drew. And it, I totally freaked out because it's almost identical to the picture I took four hours earlier. Here's the side-by-side comparison of, look at that. The picture she drew at school that day is on the top. The picture I took four hours earlier is on the bottom. I mean, what are the odds that she got? She's a 10-year-old. I couldn't draw a circle in 10 years old. What are the odds that she got the arc of the balcony so perfect? And, of course, notice the carpet color of the auditorium is what? Red. It's covered in red. And when I saw that picture, i got to be honest, I kind of freaked out. And I'll I'll never forget that night I called all my board of directors and I'm like, you guys, I think the Lord is supernaturally guiding us to a building and you'll never believe it, but uh, that Thursday, our board made a decision to pursue that building. And of course, it's... That, that building is right in the heart of our, our downtown restaurant di- district. Coolest location you could ever pick for a church. And get this, even though that building would easily cost over $40 million to build from scratch, we ended up getting it in cash for $2 million and are now doing church services there. Come on, you guys. I, in fact, here's a 20-second clip of what it's like now when we do church there. Just check this out. You know, as if, as if that wasn't amazing enough, uh, that same year that we moved into the historic building, God gave us another $20 million building for $2 million in cash. And in the suburbs, we got another big box church in the suburbs. I mean, literally um, two giant buildings. And guess what? A huge number of people who had left our church, guess what? They came back. And you know what? It was almost funny how God could just snap his fingers and change everything in a moment, but you know, I, I, I look at that, and here's why I'm sharing this story, okay? I just have this sense that there's a few of you who you're like, God, do you even, do you even know what my needs are? And you think that God can't see what's going on in your life because he's not doing what you want in the timeline that you want it. And I, I'm sharing this story because I, I want to encourage you, God is, is not only alive and at work at your dreams, okay? Like, he, he's got all sorts of great plans for you, but it's critical you understand God has a more important agenda than your dreams, than your circumstantial happiness. And you know what that is? It's building, it's building us. In other words, it's building us and it's building the integrity in us that can sustain the weight of God's dreams. You know why, you know why God didn't give us a building? It's because we weren't ready. 
our character wasn't there, the staff wasn't ready, our church was still learning generosity, all sorts of things. There was, God was building us. And at the proper time, yeah, there were a million buildings that, that walked away, a million dream boats that sailed away that were the Titanic. Actually, you know the property I really, really, really wanted? Guess what? We just found out it had toxic soil, and now the person that owns it has unlimited liability for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just, ah, oh, my delay was my deliverance. What if the same was true with you? And I know, I know that sometimes in the midst of our issues, you're like, oh, but God, this thing, this, this difficulty I'm going through, it's so hard. Listen, if you could see what God sees, if you could know what God knows, would you be willing to just wait a little longer? Just give him a chance. Because here's, here's what I know, and here's my final scripture, Ecclesiastes 2.26. Check this out. Remember Solomon who gave us our first scripture? He also said this, Ecclesiastes 2.26, to the man who pleases God, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and what? Happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. Whoa. Church, the sooner we get our prayers in line with God's priorities the sooner we'll get in, in sync with heaven's provisions. Are you hearing me? If, we, if I took your prayers today, would those prayers change the world or would they just change you? It's another way to look at it. I think God wants us to, to see something bigger than our circumstantial happiness. And, and listen, I don't know what you need today, but this is what I do know is when you put God first, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things that other people run after, they'll just add it unto you. Matthew 6, So just, would you be willing to close your eyes? Let's just do business right here. Father, you see every need in this room. Some of us have financial needs. Some of us have needs in our physical bodies. And for others of us, it's our families. And right now, Heavenly Father, you know exactly what we need. And you have a plan for each and every one of us. And so, Father, we just take those things and we, we lay them down and we say, okay, we trust you. Now, in light of that, Lord, what is the bigger thing you want us working on? I pray that you would help us to get the proper focus in our lives that would bring about the divine acceleration that you've been so longing for, the intimacy with us. And Lord, if there's people here who don't know you, I pray that they would just take a step closer to you. And for those that already know you and trust you, I pray that their faith would just be inflated to a whole new level. Because Lord, one thing we know for sure is we can't live without you. Our souls find rest in you alone. So be present with us today. And, and we pray all of these things in your mighty name. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. Can we hear it for Pastor Peter Haas today? I love how the Holy Spirit works. Last week we had spoke um, about how the Lord has called us to build up and how we're surrounded in a culture that deconstructs and that we'll never be able to build anything up if we're constantly criticizing. And so again, you just kind of beat that drum in us once again. And, and the thing that I took away, and I don't know what you're taking away, and I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do in a moment uh, with you, but my prayer for myself as well as my family and the loved ones and even this church is this, Lord, build me and then bless me. <laughs> 15 years, there was building that was happening and now we get to live within this blessing. I wanna be a man of character. I wanna be a dad of character. I wanna be a leader of character. And if other things come along the way that are good and that are blessings, then awesome. We'll enjoy it as we can. Can I hear an amen in the place today? There are some people that walked into this space and you feel far from God. And, and I just want to offer a simple invitation for you to take a step towards him. Understanding that when you take a step towards him, he takes a flying leap towards you. And we at this church, we call it even like an echo liturgy of sort. It's this reminder that we cannot do life alone, that we need Jesus and we need each other. So why not pray this every week? And so this is an invitation. 
It's a simple invitation. It's not for salvation. That's part of it. But it's an invitation into a relationship with the Heavenly Father that loves you more than anything else. And that would have died just for you. And so uh, we're going to put the prayer on the screen. And I'm going to ask that everybody would join this, no matter if you feel near or far from God, as we once again surrender our life to him. Let's pray. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate with those that might have prayed that for the very first time today? Just because I don't want to miss the moment, I really do sense that the Holy Spirit is working and doing something within us. This is not uh, a typical, we're not asking you to leave right now, but just for the next few minutes as they play this song, can we just listen in and allow the Holy Spirit to kind of tie this all together in our heart and our mind in Jesus' name.
God, we thank you. We thank you for the delays that we've experienced in this life. We thank you for those down moments. And we just are committed to ride that roller coaster called life. Not alone, but with you and with each other. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, can you shout amen? Amen. Amen. We're so glad that you came here. Once again, can we take a moment and honor Pastor Peter Haas for leading us today. Can we honor his wife, Pastor Carolyn Haas? And can we all beg her to come back and bring the word next time? Uh, Hey, I also want to just take a moment and celebrate uh, a few individuals. If you came in here for the very first time, if you are a guest here at Echo, we just are so glad that you're here. Echo Church, are we glad that our guests are here today? Can we honor them? We'd love to connect with you.